Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Tuesday, March 21st. Coming up, since Roe v. Wade was overturned, abortion rights groups have been resorting to increasingly scrappy tactics in their quest to keep abortion accessible across the country. We don't check ID because that's not part of private aviation. Uh, there's no ticketing or TSA or anything like that. If somebody feels like they need to use a fake first name, they can definitely do that. We'll hear about the hobby pilots volunteering to fly abortion patients over state lines on small planes, including to Kansas. Plus, cover crops are becoming more popular among farmers in the Midwest because they can lower costs and protect the land. You know, it's beneficial to us. I can't imagine farming without it now. The new farm bill might make them even more popular. But first, some headlines. Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey is issuing emergency regulations that aim to keep medical providers from providing gender-affirming care to transgender kids, unless the providers meet stringent requirements. Sarah Fentum reports. Bailey says hormone therapy, surgery, and other treatments are, quote, experimental and fall under laws governing deceptive business practices. The emergency regulations will require that providers tell patients about what the attorney general's office says are health risks of gender-affirming care. They'll also prohibit providers from administering care on those with untreated mental health problems. The emergency rules also require providers to screen for autism before providing treatment. Bailey says the regulations are necessary because an increasing number of kids are seeking gender care. Once put in place, the emergency regulations will last for 180 days or 30 legislative days, whichever is longer. The Republican attorney general has launched an investigation into the St. Louis clinic that offers care to transgender minors. The Jackson County legislature didn't pass a ban on so-called conversion therapy by a single vote yesterday. Conversion therapy is a scientifically discredited practice that seeks to convert LGBTQ people to be straight or conform to traditional gender roles. Five legislators voted yes, one voted no, and three abstained. Legislator Manny Abarca was one of the sponsors of the ordinance. This is for the survivors. This is for the victims who didn't survive. The ban would have been the strictest in the Kansas City metro. Kansas City and Independence have also enacted bans. The failed Jackson County ordinance would have gone further by creating a way for survivors to hold people accountable for violating the ban. We'll be back after this. You listen to this podcast every day because it's your KC local reliable news source. You take us seriously. But you know, we like to get down and we want you to party with us. Join us at our annual benefit, Radioactive, on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host, Ari Shapiro, is the featured guest at this party, and it's gonna be bumping. You gotta be there. Sponsorship packages and ticket information are available at kcur.org radioactive. Increasingly restrictive abortion laws in many states have sent women traveling in search of procedures and pills that they can no longer legally get at home. Many head to Kansas, by car or by bus, and now, thanks to a new volunteer pilot organization, by small plane. Rose Conlin of the Kansas News Service reports. I meet Michael at a small municipal airport a short flight distance from the Kansas state line. 
We drive onto the airfield where his four-seater, single-engine prop plane is waiting. There's some pre-flight checks we do every Michael is part of a growing group of hobby pilots who've begun transporting people to get abortions and gender-affirming medical care from states where it's banned. They're volunteers with an Illinois-based nonprofit called Elevated Access which only uses first names because it operates in gray legal territory. So this is your headset. So the pilots donate their time and the use of their planes and often cover the cost of fuel. Seatbelts, you have to wear your seatbelt. Today, Michael is piloting a demo flight. Before long, we're off, climbing 3,000 feet in the sky. Michael recently took a woman back home to the Deep South after an appointment at a Kansas clinic. He really loves to fly. He also does volunteer flights for an animal rescue group, and he jumps at the chance to take family and friends up. But he says this flight felt different. It's maybe not the best time in a particular person's life, or they're going through a sensitive thing, so I treat that with a lot of reverence, and you, know, you, can, you can tell that that's going on. Only a handful of people in Michael's life know he does this. Some, he says, are opposed to abortion, including some of his pilot friends. Pilots tend to be older, white, and conservative. Fewer than 10% are women. Soon after Roe v. Wade was overturned, Michael remembers posting about elevated access in an online pilot forum. It was pretty immediate that that was not, I don't shy away from it, but it was obviously a polarizing thing to have shared. For people trying to get to an abortion appointment several states away, maybe with just a few days' notice, private flights can be game-changing. They're much faster than driving, and they can take off from one of the thousands of small airfields dotted across the country, usually a lot closer to home than a commercial airport. And they're more anonymous. We don't check ID because that's not part of private aviation. Uh, there's no ticketing or TSA or anything like that. If somebody feels like they need to use a fake first name, they can definitely do that. That's another Mike, the founder of Elevated Access. He says pilots don't even ask passengers why they're traveling. That's to protect pilot and passenger and give pilots plausible deniability as states consider going after people who help women get abortions. Legal experts like David Cohen at Drexel University say that even though no laws target interstate travel yet, the risk is that you could see an aggressive prosecutor trying to say that we are going to charge this pilot with being an accessory to murder. Elevated access has completed dozens of flights so far, and that's only a tiny fraction of the flood of abortion-related travel between states since many began enforcing bans. But it's a window into the increasingly scrappy tactics of underground groups trying to keep abortion accessible. Allison Draith with the Midwest Access Coalition, which helps people pay for that travel and now partners with Elevated Access, says the flights also help people who can't board a commercial flight, like undocumented immigrants. Or like one of her recent clients, whose abusive partner destroyed her ID and birth certificate to stop her from leaving him. I flew to North Carolina myself to drive her out of her house situation, which was very dangerous because the man accosted me and then put her on an elevated access flight back to the St. Louis area where she was from. After getting an abortion in Illinois, the woman got help from a domestic violence group and now lives on her own. She is, I don't even have the superlatives to describe, you know, how thankful um, she was and her, you know, new lease on life. For the Kansas News Service, I'm Rose Conlin.
KCUR's Kansas News Service reports on health, the many factors that influence it, and their connection to public policy. You can find more at ksnewsservice.org. More Midwestern farmers are planting cover crops on their land. But the record high usage of off-season crops that help the soil and reduce fertilizer use is still a tiny fraction of the total number of acres of farmland. Harvest Public Media's Jonathan All reports on efforts to increase the use of cover crops and how that might be part of the next farm bill. Tim Gottman's 2,400-acre farm in northeast Missouri looks harvested. But among the remnants of corn stalks are blobs of green plants that are thriving despite the cold and windy conditions of late winter in the Midwest. Gottman points to acres of gently sloping land wet from a recent rain. So all this water would be running that way, and, and if them terraces weren't there and, the, and this green, the wheat and rye weren't here, it would just allow the water to run faster and take the soil with it. And when the soil's leaving, your fertilizer's going with it. Gottman is a big fan of cover crops, and he says they're working to improve the bottom line of his corn and soybean farm. Back in his barn, he says it's more important to him to improve the land that has been in his family for more than 150 years. It's more to make the land at least as good as it was when we got it, if not better. Because we're just stewards of it. Gottman is not alone in increasing the use of cover crops. The University of Illinois completed a study using a combination of USDA reports and satellite images to produce the most accurate survey of cover crop usage in the Midwest. The study found in the past 10 years, the number of acres with cover crops tripled. But it comes with a big caveat. It is certainly not at a level that would be necessary for some of the challenges, like the water quality challenges, like soil erosion. It's going to take a lot more acres to get there. Jonathan Coppice is the director of the University of Illinois' Ag Policy Program. He says the new data shows the cover crop usage went from 1.8 percent to 7.2 percent, a big jump, but still a small number of acres. Coppice says he hopes there will be more incentives for cover crops put into the farm bill that's up for renewal this year. He says there could be more bipartisan support for a program that can help reduce fertilizer costs and work to address climate change, because cover crops can also help take carbon out of the atmosphere. We can use it maybe to design up policies that will help incentivize the behavior, help incentivize the practice. Um, It can maybe help jumpstart that by showing, you know, funds going in for this practice will get response on the ground and we can measure it. Cover crop usage is also getting endorsements from large agriculture groups, including the National Corn and Soybean Growers Associations. Kurt Beckman is the director of environmental programs for Missouri Corn and works on national initiatives. He says there's been a lot of progress, but there needs to be more. I am a little bit surprised that we're only at 7 8%. Um, and I think that's part of the effort now is to figure out, okay, how do we get that to 15% in the next five years? Beckman says his group's focus has been on education and getting resources to farmers who want to plant cover crops. He says the farm bill could be part of that expansion, but he also says it's important for farmers to be encouraged and not forced. Really just want to make sure that it's voluntary. We don't want to mandate anything. We don't want farmers to be forced into planting cover crops on their acres. Um, We want them to make those decisions. They know their land better than anyone. 65% of Tim Gottman's farmland has cover crops on it but he's also wary of too many incentives to get more farmers on board. He says people who chase grants aren't as successful, 
He wants to see each farmer figure out how cover crops work for them. Maybe it's rye and wheat on his land and radishes on the farm down the road. Like say, we have neighbors doing it the exact opposite of what we're doing, but we're all happy with how we're doing it because the end result is we're holding our soils, we're, we're getting good yields. You know, it's beneficial to us. I can't imagine farming without it now. The current farm bill expires in September, and incentives for cover crops will be a tiny sliver of what looks to be more than a half a trillion dollar package. But there will be countless programs and initiatives competing for those dollars. I'm Jonathan All, Harvest Public Media. Harvest Public Media is a collaboration of public media newsrooms in the Midwest and Great Plains, including KCUR. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This podcast is produced by Trevor Grandin and KCUR Studios. It's edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Jonathan's story on cover crops and Rose's story on pilots helping patients get abortions, visit KCUR.org, where you can find more Kansas and Missouri stories from Kansas City's NPR station. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow.